Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Lessons for Living. His word so fresh in our hearts abound. His word made flesh in the here and now. A new life is beginning. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. The Bible does not say that all sins are equal. Stealing a candy bar is not the same thing as committing adultery. Thinking about murder is not as bad as actually murdering somebody, of course. But all sins are equally serious in that any sin is a violation of God's will. Every sin brings guilt and the need of God's forgiveness. That's why God gave us 1 John 1, 9. If I confess my sins, be faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. The book of James tells us that if we show favoritism, then we're sinning. Have you ever looked at it that way? Pastor Mark will show us that even in this, we need to obey God's law. God does not allow selective obedience. He wants us to obey Him in everything. But God knows us and knows that we're not perfect. We will sin. So He made a way for us to be forgiven. The Bible tells us that everyone is saved by grace through our faith in Jesus Christ. Where do you stand with Jesus Christ? Have you asked Him to forgive you of your sins? Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of this broadcast. Now let's join Pastor Mark in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 22, verse 40, for his continuing study entitled, Freedom to love and live. Lord, let us hear your lessons for living. Look at what Jesus says about those two things love God and love people. Look at verse 40. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. In other words, loving God and loving God are the top two priorities in the Christian life. When we obey these two priorities, everything else falls into place. Now, what's amazing, look at me. If we obeyed these two laws from God, we'd have no other need for any laws. Of course, that's not going to happen. But that's how powerful they are. Now, see, love is, love is not just an emotion. It's not just a noun. We roll our bracelet for a year. Do you remember the bracelet? Love is a It's a verb. It's actions. It's how we behave. Love is a verb that is filled with loving actions that come from our heart. God knew that we needed to love him and love other people because of this. Every person that's listening to me this morning on all of our campuses, those of you online, you want to be loved. You want to belong. You want to be needed. You want to be known. Knowing that, what is the greatest thing I can do for another person? As an individual, what is the greatest thing I can do for another person? If I'm going to love them, well, here's the greatest thing, is to introduce them to Jesus Christ. Because every person has an eternal soul. They're going to live either heaven with God or hell separated from God forever. We don't even know how that fits. We can't 
figure it out. So the greatest way for me to love a person is when God finally opens a door. That's why Jesus was always in the marketplace around lost people. Lost people matter to God. See, we're to go into all the world. Our neighbors are all shapes, sizes, sorts, languages, nationalities. These are the people who Jesus died for. How will they ever know how to be right with God? That's our goal, to love our neighbor. The reason you're here this morning and know Christ is somebody shared with you. I, I want to do the same thing for those people who don't know Christ. Now, back to James chapter 2. Viera, Sebastian, you guys online. James chapter 2, verse 9. Now, I'm not going to spend long with this because we've already covered it a couple weeks ago, but notice what James says. But if you show favoritism, you sin and are convicted by the law as law, lawbreakers. James reminds us that you and I as a believer can't, uh, cannot love their neighbor as themselves and show favoritism. They're, they're mutually exclusive. It is a sin. And then we have a very important verse. I want you to circle this verse in, verse in your Bible because you will come back to this principle over and over again. Look at verse 10. For whoever keeps the whole law, the words of God, and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. This is one of the most powerful verses in the Bible to refute those who think that God will accept them because they're better than others. Now, I want you to turn to your neighbor, and I want you to turn to the person behind you, and I want you to say this. At all of our campuses, get ready. God does not grade on the curve. Did you understand that, that that's what our world thinks? If, if I'm good enough, good enough what? Compared to you? No, no. If you break one, you've broken it all. Now, listen to how the Jew believed in those days. Barclay tells us it's very similar to the way our world believes today. Listen, the Jew is very apt to regard the law, the Bible, as a series of detached commands. In other words, this one's here, this one's here. They have no connection. That's 100% wrong. To keep one of these commands was to gain credit. So I have, a, I have a list over here, things I obeyed, things I disobeyed. Plus one, if I, and plus one, and plus one, and minus one, and plus one, and minus one. And he goes on, therefore, a person could add up all those they kept, all the pluses, subtract the ones they broke, and as long as they had a debit balance that was positive, home to heaven. Well, it doesn't work that way. I want you to write this down. This is huge. The world doesn't understand this. No act of obedience can compensate for acts of disobedience. Well, just as long as I'm a little more in the positive. No, no, no act. What is the standard? The standard is not me versus you. Standing in line at heaven, and I'm open for the guy behind me, not too good. Or the guy in front of me, even less. I'm getting in. No, the standard is not man against man. The standard is God. And God's requirement for me to get to heaven is perfection unless my sins are forgiven. Let me read you Matthew 5, 48. Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. So how does God look at the Bible? If I had a chain up here today, and I had this chain, and I, I have it connected here, and I'm pulling this pulpit this way with the chain. If one of the loops, links, breaks, what happens to the chain? It all is broken. The chain's broken. It's useless. That's the way God looks 
at his word. It's not, oh, I like this one, this one. No, it's a unit. If I break one, I've broken them all. That's why we need grace. That's why we need mercy. So if I'm guilty of breaking one law, I'm guilty of breaking them all, the whole Bible, where does that leave me? Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. It leaves me guilty, a sinner. That's what makes religion, trying to be right with God with good works, it doesn't work. That's why Michael Bloomberg and all of us never get to heaven by being good enough. Got enough over in the positive. I have some negatives, yeah, but when I come to the bottom line, I'm cool. I'm better than you. No, he doesn't grade on the curve. No, it's not a minus plus and minus deal at all. No one is saved by keeping the law since 100% obedience was required. Nobody does that. So how does a person get to heaven? You know this. You don't need to write it down. But here's how a person gets to heaven. Everyone is saved by grace through faith. It's not a matter of grading on the curve. It's not a matter of, I do more good than bad. It doesn't work. Then James kind of expands it. Look at verse 11. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. If you do not commit adultery, but you do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. So what does that mean? Look at me. This is very common in our world. Lots of people like to pick and choose. Pastor Mark, I like that one right there. That's cool. No, that one is not like for me. I'm sorry. Let's go back to that one right there. In counseling, that's very common when we counsel people. And we go to them, well, here's what God's word said. Yeah, I like that. Well, here's kind of where you are right now. Uh, God says, this one. Uh, I, I don't believe that one. Well, what is, what is James saying then? Here's what you want to write down. You need to understand it. You need to understand it. Here's what James is saying. God doesn't allow selective obedience. You can't just go over here and go, well, I like that one, but this one's ridiculous, Pastor Mark. I'm not going to obey that. Well, wait a minute. God's word is not like pick and choose. You can go to the cafeteria today. You can go for lunch and say, well, you have, what do you have for vegetables? I have green beans or I have uh, Brussels sprouts. Okay, I'll take the green beans. That's cool at lunch. That doesn't work in the Bible. You take it all or you take none of it. Well, Pastor Mark, I don't believe that. I don't care what you believe. God's word is all true. You either believe it or you don't believe it. Selective doesn't work. Remember when Jesus gave the great commission, go into all the world, here's what Jesus said, go into all the world and teach the disciples to obey everything I've taught. All. Not part. All. Now, on the other hand, the Bible does not say that all sins are equal. Stealing a candy bar is not the same thing as committing adultery. Thinking about murder is not as bad as actually murdering somebody, of course. But all sins are equally serious in that any sin is a violation of God's will. Every sin brings guilt and the need of God's forgiveness. That's why God gave us 1 John 1, 9. If I confess my sins, he's faithful and just to forgive me of my sins and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. Now, verse 12 will be confusing to many of you, but let's unpack it together. Verse 12. Speak and act as those 
who are going to be judged. I want to stop right there. I want you to look at me. We'll unpack this more at the end. We'll come back to this verse, this part of the verse. James says this. I'm telling you, you need to use your mouth. We'll, we'll learn more in chapter 3 about that, our mouth. Our mouth. Anybody here ever get in trouble with your mouth? Uh, yeah, right. Pastors really get in trouble because we speak a lot. He says, guard what you speak and be careful what you do because one day you're going to be judged. Every single person listening to me, believer or unbeliever, doesn't matter, Michael, we're all going to be judged. I'm going to unpack that in a moment. I'm going to be judged. So it's like when you go into college. You get into college and the professor says, okay, here you are in biology 101. Okay, here's what's going to happen to you. There's going to be every four weeks, there's going to be a little quiz. Then there's going to be a midterm. There's going to be a final. So why does he do that? Because he knows if I'm going to get through the class, I want to know ahead of time. Okay, it's not like if you just show up, there's no test. You can just get in. I'd like to have that class, but you'll never find that in college. What James is saying is what, what you're doing right now, you're going to be judged for. So be careful. In other words, why does the professor say that? When we get to the every fourth week, you, you know the quiz is coming, so study. So that's going to be a huge thing that I'm going to unpack. Every one of us this morning, we're going to stand at one of two judgments. No exception. Right from the word. Now, notice what he says again. Speak and act as those who are going to be judged by the law, by the Bible, that gives freedom. Pastor Mark, are you kidding me? Freedom? From obeying God? No, freedom is there's no laws. I can just do what I want. No, you're wrong. Write this down and let me go through it quickly. Obeying God's word, the law, brings true freedom. Obeying God's word, that's the opposite kind of thinking from the world. I don't go to church because, well, there's some things God says we shouldn't do and I don't agree with them. So there's no freedom. No, it's exactly the opposite. There's true freedom. Well, how does that work? I, as a Christ follower, I have freedom from guilt and from sin's penalty. I'm no longer subject to spiritual death. I have freedom because when I got saved, the Holy Spirit came to live in me. And I have the power, Romans 6, 7, and 8 says, to say no to temptation. I didn't have that power before. I wanted to, but I couldn't keep the law. I couldn't keep God's word. Number three, Christ followers have the freedom to sleep well because they have a clean conscience. Do you know we have a problem with sleep in the United States? Do you know that? So many people can't sleep. So they're on all kinds of meds. You watch Dr. Oz, it's always coming up in the crazy program. And he's giving all these medicines, whatever, and that's fine, whatever. But why do people, what about a Christian? I have a clean conscience. When I lay down at night, my sins are forgiven. Now, maybe you're getting ready to lay down and you remember something. And if it's your spouse or somebody, then ask forgiveness and then you can have a nice sleep. Is that freedom? That's freedom. That's great freedom. Now, here's the problem. Why are we having trouble with sleep at night? Because our world is going faster and faster, 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 faster. We all know it. It's so fast. I mean, we're almost to May. It's crazy. It's just, vroom. and we have so many things going through our minds. So when you sleep, sometimes people go to sleep with fear. I don't know what I'm going to do tomorrow. This week is going to have to meet with this person. It's going to happen there, and there's an exam coming up, and I know what the exam is like the last time, and what are we going to do with the payment at the end of the month? Oh, it's almost the end of April, and I haven't paid any. And, and all night it's there. Let me just tell you something. You have the freedom, you have the privilege to call upon the great shepherd 
who happens to be in your room. Just read Psalm 23 if you have trouble sleeping. The Lord is my shepherd. You say, Pastor, my like, no, shepherd's in your room. Well, what is one of the promises of God? He'll never leave me. He'll never forsake me. Of course the shepherd's in your room. Not physically at the end of the bed. You need more than a sleep medicine if you think that. <laughs> but he's there in my what? Spirit. So if I'm struggling sleeping because I have all this stuff going, here's the freedom I have. The scripture says, transfer all your cares to me because I care for you. So when you lay down, some of you will have to actually do this. Cast all your cares. Transfer your care to him. Say, God, I got all this problem. I don't know what to do with this thing here. God's there, okay, okay. Just give it to him and go to sleep. I'm serious. You say, Pastor, that doesn't work. Yeah, absolutely it works. Now, here's the problem. 2.30, you wake up. What do I do with that? Oh, excuse me. Thank God. I take it back. Anybody been there? And then what happens the rest of the night? Tossing and turning, tossing and turning all night. Here we go. So when you give it, leave it. By the way, in his hands, way better than in my head. That's a privilege. That's a freedom. The world doesn't have that freedom. There's no shepherd in their room. They're trying to do life alone. I have the freedom. I love this one. To be all that God designed me to be. I have the freedom. You'll see what that means in a moment. And I have the freedom to live with passion because obeying God brings amazing blessing. Now, I want you to write this next one down, and I'll explain it to you because I think it'll be very clear to you. God's law, because of its wise constraint, saying no, brings true freedom. Most people don't understand this. Pastor Mark, when God says no, That is not freedom. That's a constraint. It doesn't make any sense to me. But notice, the psalmist understood. Those constraints are good for me. Watch this. I walk in freedom, for I've devoted myself to your commandments. Psalm 119.45. Vieira, Sebastian. Psalm 119.32. This is one of my favorite. I run in the path of your commands, for you have set my heart free. Now, I want you to think about this for a moment. Parent, grandparent, you take your kids or your grandkids, and you're out in the little park, and you're going to make s'mores. How many like s'mores? Yeah. The graham cracker, the marshmallow, the chocolate just melts all together. And so you got this little fire, and you put stones around it, and the fire is getting really hot. The stones are red. And you're over here putting all the ingredients together. Grandpa, grandma, whatever. Mom and dad, whatever. And there's two-year-old son or grandson. And he sees the red. Oh. What would you say as he goes for the red rock? Hello, anybody? What would you say? No. no! Now, why would you say no? Is that restraint good for the child or bad for the child? See, when God says no, he knows what we're about to do is not good for us. Do you understand the love? That parent isn't angry. That parent loves that child. Don't do it. Let me read you a statement. James and McDonald says this. 
When God says don't, God means don't hurt yourself. That's amazing freedom. See, when God says no in here, it's not like, I don't want you to have any fun. He says, if you go down that road, you're going to hurt yourself. Well, I don't go. We've all been down that road. It's not good. To be honest, I'm so glad God kept me many times from going down the wrong road. You know, anybody in this room here, Melbourne, Sebastian, Vieira, watching, if God hadn't kept us, we wouldn't be here. Most of us would be dead, in jail, prison, all kind of crud. I wouldn't be on this pulpit this morning if God hadn't said to me, now look, Balmer, don't do it. And he helped me say no. Maybe you're out there today and you're doing it. Come on home. You disobeyed. There's grace. Come on home. So see, obedience brings great freedom. You would never say to your grandkid, oh, go ahead and touch it. Let's see if you learn that way. That'd be a horrible parent. You would never do that to your child. Burned hand, on the, maybe the clothes gets burned. You would never do that. You love them because you said, no, it's good for you. Just stay away. And so if you can learn to obey God because you get to, you'll grow in your life. Now, there's a promise God made. God makes promises that are, well, they're unconditional. I'll never leave you or forsake you, unconditional. He makes conditional promises. Let me show you a conditional promise. Peter writes it like this. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. He is patient with you. Can I hear an amen right there? Not wanting how many to perish. He doesn't want... Anyone, zero, not a nothing. None to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. So if I'm not going to perish, is there anything I need to do? If I'm not going to go to hell, is there anything I need to do? That verse tells me one thing to do. What? Repent. So I have to repent, sorry for my sins, and believe. Now, let me tell you some facts. That's a conditional promise from God. That's the will of God. He doesn't want anybody to perish. He wants everybody to go to heaven. And you have to repent. I'll give you a chance to do it at the end of the service. Repent and believe as hundreds of people did last weekend. Fact, fact, not everyone will repent and become a believer. Fact, because of disobedience, some people will perish and they will spend eternity in hell forever. Why? Because they chose not to obey God. Now look at verse 13. Because judgment without mercy will be shown to anyone who has not been merciful. Mercy triumphs over judgment. Jesus said it like this. God blesses those who are merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Justice simply means this. Getting what we deserve. Mercy is not getting what we deserve. How are you doing with showing favoritism? Have you changed in the way that you treat others? Pastor Mark reminded us today that love is a verb. That's to say that love is an action. You see, we could say we love someone, but unless we show it to others, it doesn't mean a lot. If you disobey God in this one simple law, then you are a lawbreaker. When you obey God's law, you have true freedom. In his letter, James addresses practical issues of life that are as well as current as this morning's newspaper. You know, in our hostile world, we know that trouble is 
Well, simply part of our lives. Hardships, disappointments, tragedies, rejection, fear, persecution, conflict, unrealistic expectations, financial, marriage, and even family troubles. You see, God's Word never promises us to spare us from these trials, but God promises always to help us face these trials. Well, the book of James speaks to many of those issues. It's interesting that James himself, who was Jesus' half-brother, never really became a believer in Jesus until after the resurrection. So we see from James that he struggled with these same things about belief. And because he overcame that and came to faith in Jesus Christ, he writes to the Jewish people that no matter what you're facing, you can overcome the hostile world. A world that really is hostile to biblical truth and to a biblical lifestyle. Next time Pastor Mark will ask, why do we do good things? Pastor Mark will explain to us how everything we do in this life will be judged by God. When we obey God, then we will receive rewards. We will be able to stand before God and hear, well done, good and faithful servant. This should be the desire for every Christian to live with a heart to please God and to live a life that shows others about His love. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast. From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right. Let us hear your lessons.